Hi folks, uh, my name is Kamal Zargar. I work here at Ontario Out Fair. I want to thank you for joining us for our last live recording podcast conversation titled Black Space, Freedom, Urban Forms, and Radical Imagination. Um, James Voorhees, uh, Chair of the Curatorial Practice Program at CCA School here in San Francisco, has been moderating our conversations. He's going to properly introduce our speakers. But I want to thank you for being here, and I also want to thank Withers Worldwide, our podcast live program sponsor. So James, do you want to take us off? Okay, thank you, Kamal. Um, I also just want to start off by thanking Untitled and everyone for being so gracious to organizing these series of podcasts over the last few days. So it's been really enjoyable being a part of this. Um, the last event, today's event, is, is titled Black Space, Freedom, Urban Forms, and Radical Imagination. And it's a real pleasure to introduce Ogzosi Ayafimi, who is a visual artist based in Oakland. Her first museum exhibition, Black Matter, just closed at the Jewish Museum um, here. She's a resident artist at uh, Minnesota Street Projects. And Bonnie Bridges is an architect. She leads, uh, leads the studio BBA with recent projects that include Tartine Manufacturing, the Roastery and the Cafes for Cyclas, Coffee, Mazarine, Little Gems, the Plant Cafe, so many of my favorites, and, uh, and many more. Um, Bonnie founded the firm in 1992, preceded by working for award-winning firms in California and Arizona. Um, so I'm really, I've been really excited to talk with both of you about um, Commons and your work, um, Agzosi. So I thought though we should give some background about um, how this project called Commons uh, relates to your practice, and then also just if you could like introduce what is Commons. Thank you. It's uh, great here to be. It's great to be here today at Untitled. And for me as an artist, I'm really interested in urban forms. As a kid, I was um, a poet. Actually, I was a young poet, and when I would walk through the city, I was always drawn to the vacant lots or the places that were not fully um, complete, that had space for a meadow to grow on the edge of the city or a building that wasn't done yet or seemed like it was in transformation. And so Commons as a artwork came to me walking in Oakland, seeing a boarded up building that had one, one window pane where there was black plastic sheeting with, a, with an opening and I could see into it and see that there was a crack in the drywall and the concrete was laid in a really beautiful kind of even rhythm. And it made me think that if it's possible, maybe the building could be opened up, released, and take, take away some of those layers that were masking the space within. Um, and so it took about a year and a half to get the building, meaning I had to negotiate with the owner, um, find uh, eventually a collector, an investor that wanted to help with the project. And then I was able to finally, um, I approached Bonnie because her firm has such incredible um, ways of transforming historical fragments into, into buildings. And so that's how Commons came together, first as a dialogue with a vacancy that I kept walking by. And I think of the urban street as kind of like music with different notes or like a paragraph with different words in it. And I wanted to kind of introduce a different form, a different word, a different note 
our cord into the city. I mean, one of the things that for both of you, I think even the word commons and the way it's spelled in capital letters, um, both of you in, in different practices create opportunities, spaces, uh, performances, uh, social situations that bring people together. And, and I think it's also particularly important today in sort of the different alienation we feel because of different technologies and so forth, but also how pri private capital is uh, reducing the number of spaces that are considered like real commons. And so I want to kind of delve into it from, from both your perspectives of what, what this space means because um, it seems also to stake a certain claim, even in the simplicity of the name and the capital letters. And for many people, I think the desire that we, we, we do need a more of a, a kind of common. So um, maybe Bonnie, if you could talk about like what, what about this project are you, are you excited about for working on? Yeah, thank you. It's so fun to be here, but it's super, super fun with work to work with Aksasi, which I also know has been to our work is founded in this idea of humanistic modernism in which we work very hard to create spaces that people are connected to each other and they're empowered and energized, and they're more thoughtful because of the space that they inhabit. When Binta came to us, she told me my philosophy without knowing anything. It was magical. So for us, we're just sort of on her magic carpet ride, in a way, kind of just along supporting this. I've got some other architectural things to talk about, but we'll get to that. Thank you, Bonnie. It's really an honor to get to work with you and with Anon at Studio BBA. Um, for me, I think the city is, whether it's Oakland, San Francisco, I just noticed that, especially in Oakland, there's such an opportunity to reintroduce the idea of public space or spaces that are held in common. And um, when you look at the history of redevelopment, there are so many reasons why most American cities are very vacant. And so that surplus of buildings and that kind of ground floor retail space that's usually vacant for many years, um, I think is something that, as an artist, I wanna like look at that material, why is it vacant? And that this Commons project is actually in the downtown of Oakland on a street that is only half full of storefronts. The rest are muted or paused. The project is connected to my work in East Oakland and in West Oakland. In East Oakland, I'm working on a, in an area of a food desert, a very rich, uh, very richly cultured place, East Oakland, full of families and artistic practice and great food. But there aren't a lot of places to go and, you know, there's not a grocery store or anything that's easy to get to. And so the work that I've done there is to really revive some of the farmer's markets and um, common meals for about 100 kids a week in East Oakland. And in West Oakland, there's a lot of manufacturing and old factories and the, the Black Panther legacy 
but a lot of people don't get to go work with the materials or the tools. So we've been reviving um, woodworking and making furniture and milling wood from scratch in West Oakland. So the commons brings together the choreography of the milling and the, the furniture building of guild um, with the sustenance and the gathering of soul from East and West Oakland. So let's talk about this because <clears throat> we don't have the visuals and also th this like, so let's parse it in terms of the characteristics of the building and the design. Like what, what, what does it, what is it? So the commons is a very simple structure that used to be a music store. And it's a two-story volume, and it's got a mezzanine above, and it's got a basement below. It has great bones. So Binta delivered a space that had, uh, in its essence, a really good set of bones. Um, so programmatically, we've been working with Binta about all the things that can go on in here, and they just sort of are limitless. So mm -hmm. you can talk about the programming for the space. So the so commons, uh, the building has something in common a little bit with this space that we're in, where we have these incredible vaulted industrial spaces in California, often with wood and the ceiling. And when you look at the building from the street, it looks like just a story, one and a half stories. So it looks very small and easy to overlook. There is this big best music sign, though, that is always interesting to look at because it sticks out from the street. It's on an Art Deco street, and it's more of a 50s or 60s sign. Um, when you look at the facade, it has these huge glass windows. Um, most of them were smashed, but there was still a beauty to the, the size, and it was from it being a bank. It was a bank for a while, um, and then it was a music store, and then it was closed for about 15 years. But when I actually got access to the building and looked into the permitting and like what's the deed of the building, it actually was two storefronts from 1900 that were like nestled side by side, like shoulder to shoulder. And they were combined later into the bank in the 30s and then the music store. And then there was, it was boarded up. So part of the act of transforming the building with Bonnie and with, with Studio BBA has been to open up that 1930s skylight, which is a huge rectangle that wouldn't happen now, um, to restore sliding glass doors to the portal of the building to make almost an interval in the street, and to just open up the building to those types of possibilities. And how would it function? Like, who, who is it for? For a lot of people that I've lived with in, in Oakland and in San Francisco, in Potrero and Bayview, um, now in West Oakland. There's a shared history of industrial um, California in which many African-Americans used to have jobs, grandparents had jobs, and gradually that's dissipated and become less available. And so for, for me as an artist and working in, in community, it's an act of performance to actually hold something in which you can just go there and get a drink, a coffee, some water, some broth, some greens, some soul food greens. So we're just open as a place where you can get something refreshing, but you also can come back for music um, or meet a friend in the evening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I think what's really interesting about this idea is you build it and they will come. You're, the program started with a space for art, display, choreography, cafe, and then recording studios, some office space, some community gathering space. But ultimately, it's a space for people to have a common relationship. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is so gorgeous, it's going to attract a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think that what I want to say a little bit about any architects in the audience, because what we do in our practice is a lot of adaptive reuse. And it's really great and fun when you have an existing structure such as this, where you can really do um, a successful strategy, which is to honor the history of the building and insert a modern piece. Mm -hmm. And so you are able to honor the building through your modern insertion and contrast. And that was sort of where we started with this building. What is so profound in working with Binta Aksasi is how every decision that we make that our standard operating procedures get imbued with a much deeper meaning through the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of tingly and magic where this building is embodying a series of ideas in her art practice that are, are going to emanate out into the community. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also, I mean, I really appreciate the form of a cafe and how it in itself can bring people together. And Bonnie, I have to say, like, in San Francisco, the number of the places that I mentioned just briefly that are so sensitively designed um, in ways that people feel comfortable inhabiting. And it's remarkable when that happens without, it seems effortless to make it so subtle. And, and I'm curious, like, what are you excited about that this, this project is going to, like, like, introduce new challenges and for you and your practice? <clears throat> yeah, I think that Binta is going to be one of the most successful developers of these ideas of common spaces that we've ever seen. Um, her commitment to how ideas change the future is profound. So we're supporting this concretization of her ideas and her art practice by being the supporting architect. Mm -hmm. uh, it's I don't know yeah, yeah. how else to say that. I, I have some specific things if, about material choices, decisions that I could share. If. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's been really amazing to collaborate and I think I'm really drawn to the idea of the dance move. So the way the building is held up, it actually, once we started to look at the structure, it's held up by one big span, almost like one of the spans from Golden Gate Bridge or just some a steel moment that basically is really making everything happen. And so when you start to look at buildings that way, there's almost like a, a sense of the performance, a sense of being lifted up, that the roof is above you. And just drawing attention to that, peeling away some of the layers, we were able to um, sandblast away all of that uh, covering on the concrete. So the concrete just is a sheer 
set of layers. And you can see the board forms that, um, the, the hands that went into. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm interested in commons as part of a larger urban score where we get to kind of look at the labor that went into the city and then also start to introduce new forms of labor, like actually the DJ, the baristas, everybody's actually from within like 10, 15 minute walk of commons. Um, so it's really based on the relationships and then seeing how we can perform that yeah. um, with the goal to have activations like this that are both economic and poetic um, and, and formal, uh, but at the same time, no one has to read a paragraph about it if they don't want to. They can just enjoy a space that's a little simple, um, but very open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, I want to also like peel back some of the working process um, because even with this short conversation, both of you make it seem so easy to sort of find a building and begin to transform it. And, and like, um, and it also is like so many artists and others' dreams to like, you know, cr create that space for people to come together. And so, like, what, is, what does it look like leading up to this in terms of even the administrivia that's involved with working with the city and the funding and so forth? And if you could give us a little more insight into that, I think it would be nice. I, I think I learned, I mean, it's, it's been just a gift to get to do this, to be on this journey. But it did start from like just scarcity and as an artist living here, it was so expected that I wouldn't have access to infrastructure or be able to author something that's lasting. Everything is a pop-up. Um, in, our, in, in our communities, we're often you know, not allowed to live for long-term leases or it's just really hard in the city. So I started to kind of find a home by collaborating. So I collaborated with a youth center in East Oakland that does amazing work. They're kids from age five all the way up to adults who have come back who are 22. So you get to meet in the space of an afternoon. I started an art project where from two to seven, I would um, make a meal from scratch with farm to table kind of uh, cooking with all the different age groups throughout the week. And so that project really grew and we got a lot of people together. And so learning how to work with very little then built up momentum to be able to scale ideas and get um, a grant, you know. But the grants are very small. So this kind of project with the building, it had to come from like a hopeful place. But the city has been very supportive to say, keep going, you're on to something. But they didn't actually have the funding to do, you know, work with architecture. So I found a way to learn from business, learn from people who write proposals, and learn from urban planner to just write the idea so that it could become true. And then I was able to get, finally get some collector investment. And then from there, but all the relationships and the leases had already been signed with only um, my, my rent money that was saved to do it. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> Power on, girl. It, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Binta approaches everything with tremendous amounts of energy and soul, and she had so much to offer, and we, caught, we kind of had to put the brakes on. We're like, whoa, girl. <laughs> and uh, I remember 
Anand, who's here, who's the designer on this project, we said, what, what do we do? We're like, oh, let's go have her go to the city and get a demo permit. That'll take her three weeks. And she came back the next day with a demo permit. <laughs> and that is the power of ideas and what all of these, the work you've been doing for so long is being concretized in this space and which is why it's uh, what you're planning beyond this and the network of relationships within the opportunity zones and what you're cultivating is going to be so successful. I mean, I really appreciate it also just being at California College of the Arts and working with young artists and so forth too of like the, the need to have a vision, combine the creativity, combine the case making, uh, accept the administration that comes with realizing ideas, navigating complex spaces in order to realize it. And it's, 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 um, it's refreshing to see that tackled from many different angles as well. A um, couple times we've mentioned like what's next and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about how you see this as a, if, or if you do see this as a larger constellation of plans and, and what that might look like? So, um, yeah, in, in Oakland, there are a number of spaces that I s have walked by that have this same quality, where they're s too small to be used for something glossy, but they also have these owners that are more stubborn, and they don't sell. So they don't join to the large building going up. So I'm really interested in these buildings that are kind of like a baseline and I think a new kind of grounding that can happen from activating them um, and not only in downtown but also in East and West Oakland where people have had to deal with sometimes the clearing of entire neighborhoods and this is not a new story like if you go to places like Detroit it's, it's something that has happened in the United States but I think we need other forms to be introduced. Um, so looking at, uh, there's a vacant lot in East Oakland that will become a park and a corner store. So the corner store will be nestled into the, the green space. Um, and, you know, just reversals like that are, yeah. are being planned. So there's a corner store, um, a mercantile, and um, an inn. Mm -hmm. Maybe both of you could speak to this because is is. I sense there's an increasing number of storefront spaces as well as vacant spaces on the ground level because of the different struggles that retail and other companies are having that could then also be seen, obviously that something needs to be addressed in terms of like keeping a coherent ur urban fabric, but at the same time could provide opportunities that you're, that you're modeling for, uh, for others to envision like a reuse of those spaces. Yeah, I think it is a powerful model for any city. Uh, by and large, what we do as architects is affect the flow of global capital in material buildings. And capital's flowing all over the world and creating kind of not very humane spaces. So 
Oakland has these little bits and pieces and having artists come in and work with architects to stitch those together is really interesting and I think is what's going to make cities sustainable. If the whole city looks like it was built in the last five years and ownership is uh, global and not necessarily even resident, it makes vacant cities. So uh, I think this is a great model and I think that um, creating those into a fabric that is much more open and public and cross-programmed public-private is a really strong way to approach urban planning and do it from an architectural, I mean, an art, art position, not an urban planning position. And what kind of license do you think that you have from an art, art position that may not be available to someone who's coming at it from an urban planning position? I learned a lot as an artist from musicians, so I work with musicians sometimes on scores, and I'm, I kind of think of it as like I'm, I can play three or four notes together that should be together, um, but for institutional reasons, historical reasons, um, they're not allowed to play together, and people are often feel blocked by... Um, there's so much well-meaning um, belief, so much well-meaning um, kind of practice behind affordable housing, the idea of it, fair housing, um, and yet the, the, the practice of it has a lot of bureaucracy um, that we're always you know, being challenged by. And, and I really applaud everyone who works in all of the institutions and departments. They're all doing their work that they can do. Um, but to be an artist, I get to weave between departments. Even in one day, I can be milling some wood with some apprentices in West Oakland, I can go see um, someone from the building permit office and coax them outside to look at something on the ground that we want to find out if the water will connect to the building. So I like the idea that as an artist, you might be able to make invitations and ask questions that people actually want to ask, but they are you know, doing the very important work and I feel that as an artist, I'm inspired by people like Donald Judd, inspired by um, you know, artists and writers and musicians that find a way to play those notes together. Um, I think of someone like Don Pullen or Alice Coltrane, yeah. and the way that she just creates these, like she created these cascades of sound, and I want that kind of sense of abundance to be practiced in some of these works. For me, it's that the world wants art. And artists who are not afraid of ideas and have, we just say it's magic, but it's a lot more than that. It brings a very different approach to designing a building than most of our clients. We have a few others who are sort of operating in that space, but it's very different because the foundation of it is uh, one of cultivating and generating um, through a capitalistic lens, and I say this all the time, I'm a capitalist, and I call Ben Aksasi a capitalist in that the power of what we do is about what we do now, what we're creating now. It's not this mythical future that we're talking about. Um, and I want to say one thing, which is 
Binta talks a lot about words and sentences of the work and the building. And I promised her two months ago that I would write a sentence for the commons. Ready? Gospel sings here. Love it. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so we definitely will have gospel um, to un open the building. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think that when I think about capital and currency, here we are, we're at the edge of these piers. And to me, the property is not just the building, the industrial and shipping background, but it's we have ocean, we have mist falling over everything, and no one can own that. And that's the part that is like the black and indigenous past that we need to always kind of honor, I think. And that's what um, this practice, I think, is really engaging with is there, there's, there's, there are objects and there are forms, but we never fully own them, but we can participate, I think. Um, and that's the dialogue that I'm interested in. Yeah, I think, I think that's really beautiful also just to see how like an urban space can play. And in addition to figures like Donald Judd, I think of people even closer to our area of like Lawrence Halperin, who saw like the urban fabric as like notes and a score as well. And the complementary nature of activity within an urban scape and how it could be. And it's, it's, it's something that does seem in the homogenization of urban development today that, to free, that people lose sight of how important like the complementary nature of activity and building is, is so important to have a vibrant, a vibrant space. And I really admire how you, like, both of you are bringing that back th in through, through like, the intersection of design, architecture, urban planning, but also like, the creative space of art that's threaded through it as well. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, I also wanted to ask a question in terms of like, um, there's going back to the actual space of commons and what I read online, there's some really distinctive characteristics of the cafe, but the restrooms, like in, so maybe we can just even like back up a little bit to now that we know a little bit more of the concept behind it to go back into like, yeah, what, can you talk a little bit more about those two things? Yes. So I'm really inspired by um, Arte Povera and some of these movements where artists just deal with what's there. And so important to the building and the excavation process we've done is to just pair things back to that concrete, the wood, the, the redwood, the pine. And then also there are these slat boards that emerge once you peel everything away. And so when you walk into the space, there's a vaulted space, there's the skylight, there will be stairs on either side where people can sit together, and then some common furniture that are together an ensemble um, of how we come together and have common dinner, things like that. Um, as you walk deeper in, there's a kind of a portal that's implied from the existing mezzanine that's gonna be covered in this cedar that we've milled from yards in Oakland. Um, this Deodar cedar that grows really beautiful and um, vast pieces of wood. And um, that frame, as you walk through that frame, you um, pass the cafe bar, you pass into suddenly a black tiled environment. And that is kind of the interior of the space. And so that 
black child environment um, culminates in um, this common sink, the areas of water, there's a shower for performers and um, a kitchen and the bathroom. So it kind of has an interiority that pulls you into that uh, dark tiled space. Um, and then when you come back out to the light, um, there's a mezzanine that you can go up to and look down um, to see performances and to see just the everyday urban flows. And like maybe what kind of dialogue has gone on between you and Bonnie and the designers to, to, to arrive at that too? Because I think, again, not to like make it seem as though it just happened. I mean. So we always say we like our clients, but we love buildings. <laughs> and so this building is easy to love. Like I said, it has great bones. And it, it, it said to you, I am like a stage, and I have a proscenium arch, and I have a back of house, and I have the seats up high. And so uh, we developed that idea. And again, want to give recognition to Anand here for the design work that he's put into this. And so it's very, a very simple idea of the stage and the proscenium arch. I would like to bring up one example about the storefront. So knowing that this project may have limited funds, we were approaching the storefront with a very practical solution that was affordable and what we thought was going to be necessary. And the feedback was, that's not going to work. It has to be magical. It has to be large, and it has to be gold. We're like, good, good luck. You need like four times as much money. And so she said, "Oh, okay, great. I'll go get. I'll go find that." So the portal itself is a very important part of how it opens up to the street, and it's gold, right? It's not aluminum, right? It's not your satin aluminum, and it's not your museum white, and it's not sort of the standard architectural moves you would see in this kind of an event and art space. It is enriched with meaning every step of the way. It's been a great journey to, again, like working with you guys. And I think the way that the building, part of the sculpture of the building was I did deliberate demoed. So when the architects came, we'd already demoed, um, I mean, once we started working, the demo was to bear it down to like the mezzanine and then that vast open space. And then the discipline was to how could we perform within that? Yeah. So that we actually didn't add like um, other floors or, um, so that was the discipline was to actually, it's almost like an excavation project. Yeah. Um, so the form was set and then from there we learned how to like keep opening up and getting rid of extra walls, things like that. I really that. appreciate that, though, because like the choreo choreography of the visitor, or you could call him the spec, the, her, him and her, the spectator, like how they're entering a building and how that, how the architecture is positioning them for something, like you see it other otherwise, like in places like the Metropolitan Museum, that you come into the grand lobby and it's a liminal space that actually positions the visitor to experience something and newer architecture, or I can think of museums that are, are foregoing that for a kind of more practical like entrance to uh, moving through the space as opposed to 
like positioning them from the outside and what they're ready going to experience and it's it's nice to to know that you've insisted on that yeah and so I think for anyone who visits this building when it opens up what I really like about it is that the stage is actually front and center so the the liminal space is behind mm -hmm. up down and you are part of the choreography. Mm -hmm. From the moment you actually cross that threshold, you're dancing in this space. Yeah, that's nice. So do you know that, can we expect the date when we can begin to, when it will open? We're looking at um, the end of spring, early summer. Oh, okay. And yeah, we're really excited. And again, it's, it's part of a culmination of experiences with the community, seeing where people would want to be, but also knowing that just performing the everyday of opening the doors six days a week, eventually seven days a week, that is the performance. Yeah. Um, and uh, letting that be an even, I'm really drawn to like the Shakers and also even the Black Panthers, how they, like Emory Douglas would perform that newspaper that was considered an ordinary thing to have a newspaper but it wasn't ordinary for the community that was performing it. And I just love that idea of doing something regular but um, transformative um, in, in the presence of the sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think to say the least, we'll all look forward to visiting. And um, I also just want to say on behalf of Untitled, like Oksosi and, and Bonnie, thank you for taking part in this. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.